Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Zhang Yamu's House of Flying Daggers is a sumptuous feast for the eyes. We descend into the world of 859 A.D. in the midst of the Tang Dynasty, where government police forces are at war with the rebellious group, the Flying Daggers, who seek to overthrow state authority. We spend our time considering the plight of Captain Leo, played by Andy Lau, and Captain Jin, played by Takeshi Kaneshiro, these two police officers seek to bring to justice the Flying Daggers' leadership and bring down the rebellion. What we don't know as the movie unravels is that there are sleeper agents in the police force and in the Flying Daggers, both each side working the other, and everything seems to hang on a young woman named May, played by Zhang Ziyi, who you might remember from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And there's the point. This movie borrows very heavily from the intense action sequences that have been choreographed by certain lead stunt coordinators in Hong Kong, through China, into the West. And so House of the Flying Daggers presents a very complicated story that finally resolves to certain set sequences of extraordinary action, in which we watch May, Captain Leo, and Captain Jin go to war with either the police force or the Flying Daggers forces that seek to defeat or murder them. The point here is seeing how costume design, set design, stunt coordination, raw physical beauty, these are marvelous looking people, combine because after all, both of these men end up falling in love with this one woman, and she has to make certain choices to decide how the Flying Daggers tribe and the police, representing the government, are all to come to a conclusion where everybody can be happy. Or can they? <laughs> House of the Flying Daggers is a fantasy that debuted at the Cannes Film Festival before releasing in the United States on a very small number of screens right around Christmas. This was the season of National Treasure, the Nicolas Cage vehicle, that is good fun. But here the stakes are different. We see hand-to-hand violence, which is described by the flow of swords and of daggers, thus the name of the movie, Flying Daggers, the impossibility of magic acting on projectile weapons, including arrows, which are wonderfully used in periodic sequences. But the point is, we watch impossible physics. Police forces and Flying Daggers forces both race across the tops of bamboo forests. One of the pleasures of watching House of Flying Daggers is to see the texture of costume, the variety of flora and fauna the lead characters move through in the course of their adventures. To see the background settings in which we are both outdoors and indoors, each environment carefully color-coordinated, natural light as in the sun, or artificial light as in indoor sequences, where the characters do combat, flirt, or spout lines of dialogue that seem somehow unnecessary by the time the movie unravels. This is an important consideration. The movie is, in fact, a Chinese-Hong Kongese co-production, and it is conducted not in English, so a person will be reading subtitles. The upside of that 
is we spend our time examining text, trying to put into our minds what's happening, and we eventually realize it's not all that important to understand the dialogue, to read every last line, because this is a visual event, causing these three key performers, Lao, Ziyi, and Kaneshiro, to move through the paces of a cat-and-mouse chase. Who will win, the police or the rebels? And in the end, there's an ambiguous note to how we should interpret the result. Among key sequences that draw the eye and the ear, when May is first introduced as a blind woman, we see her play a game called Echo. She is tested by having seeds thrown against drums arranged in a circle around her, whereby she uses fabric connected with her sleeves to throw at the same drum in the same order to hit the same pitch and prove she is a superior dancer and combatant. a sequence when government soldiers with gigantic swords enclose Jin and Mei as they run across a field trying to escape these same soldiers. They're hemmed in and enter into a complex choreography of close combat in which Mei and Jin fight back to back. The camera shoots low angle up and then it shifts dramatically into cutaway details to demonstrate how the combat moves and then the camera moves crab-like down the field as Mei and Jin try to move sideways and escape this encirclement until eventually they're forced to do battle. It's a wonderful bit as various blows are landed and parried, as flexible blades shimmy and shake, as the music tells us things are tense but will be okay. House of Flying Daggers concludes with a sacrifice. One of our three leads will go down, leaving the other two to deal with the consequences, whereupon we're released to a credit sequence with a very haunting English-language song. I understand that most moviegoers will want to watch movies only in their native language. Yet, I can recommend House of Lying Daggers, this Chinese-Hong Kongese co-production that's conducted largely in Mandarin, to exhibit one of the primary virtues of the cinema. How the camera interacts with characters inside of a story world, revealing all kinds of visual information that is connected with sound cues, both music, natural sound, and sound effects, to move us through an adventure that's kinetic, that's exciting, easy to follow, and very easy on the eyes. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boobity-doo!